and welcome to your nutrition and wellbeing podcast with your host, Jem McDiarmid, nutritional therapist. This podcast, we are discussing the role of nutrition when it comes to supporting female health. Now, when we think about female health, we often think about talking about estrogen or progesterone. Sometimes we might touch on the role of testosterone in women. But actually, if we take a step back, looking at female health is much bigger than just looking at those female hormones. And actually, what we want to do is look at the overall functioning of the body. Now, hormones do play a really important part. And if we think about the role of a hormone, it is a chemical messenger. And these hormones, and we've got lots and lots of them in our body really govern how the different tissues and organs and systems in the body function. Now it is absolutely right when we think about female health we want to think about the role of estrogen but actually we want to look at three other major hormones as well and actually research shows that a balance of these four main hormones really do have the biggest impact on female health either for the positive or if they're out of balance for the negative. So our four main hormones that we want to think about, one is your estrogen, so your female hormone, really important for reproductive purposes to give us female characteristics for all of the things to do with female hormone health. The next one we want to think about is actually our insulin. Now insulin isn't exclusive to women and insulin is the hormone that we release in our body when our blood sugar levels go up too high. And insulin's role is to try to regulate our blood sugar levels but it's sort of a very efficient hormone if we want of a better expression and actually when we start to release lots of insulin it can start to have a really big impact on our energy levels on our mood on our mental clarity but also on our body weight as well this umbrella name i guess for insulin is actually the fat storage hormone lovely name I know but it's when we have too much insulin being released in the body that actually we start to store this release the excess sugar into our body and when we have excess sugar stored in our body it will store it in your liver but as your liver becomes saturated for having having too much sugar in there your insulin will start to convert the sugar into a type of fat and will store it as close to the liver as possible so we get this thing called fat around the middle so we really want to think about the role of insulin Next, we want to think about the role of cortisol. Now, cortisol is one of our stress hormones and it's one that really, you know, stabilizes the body into the lovely rest and digest phase when our cortisol production is switched off or if we're very stressed, if maybe we're not getting enough sleep, maybe we're exposed to lots of either major stresses or what we can call micro stresses every day. We've permanently got a high amount of cortisol going around the body, which means your body is constantly functioning in a state called fight or flight. Now, when we're in this fight or flight state and when we've got this increased amount of the stress hormone going around the body, it means your body isn't going to be in balance. Rather than having a lovely restful heart rate, when we're sort of not exercising rather than having lovely slow deep breathing lots of energy going to the digestive system lots of energy going to the reproductive system instead your body will be in sort of a code red situation all the time which means that actually most of our energy is going into our survival instinct rather into this 
you know, eating, nourishing, resting, healing, repairing instinct that our body should be going towards. So actually having too much cortisol really can have a fundamental impact on the systems of the body. But again, it can actually start to have an emotional impact on us as well. And when we've got really elevated levels of cortisol all of the time, we can go from being a lovely, calm, patient person to actually finding that either we've got a really short temper, we get really frustrated quickly, we've got a low level of patience with people, if we then sort of exist in this elevated cortisol level for far too long, we can start to get sort of adrenal fatigue and that's when instead of feeling short-tempered and feeling short and cross, we can find that actually we feel really tired, we feel really run down and if somebody came to us with a problem, we would actually really struggle to cope with it. The last hormone we want to think about is our thyroid hormone. And thyroid is almost like the sort of internal governor and the internal metabolism for how your body and the systems in the body are functioning. So in an ideal world, we'll have a lovely stable amount of thyroid hormone going around the body. But given the right conditions, we can either start to produce too much thyroid hormone, and that's when we would start to feel like somebody had given us 26 cups of coffee and we were struggling to maintain our weight and we were struggling to rest and everything feels like we're on fast forward. Or if what's much more common, we start to get too little thyroid hormone everything goes in slow motion. So all of a sudden our body's gaining weight and we're starting to get constipated and we start to get other digestive issues and we feel shattered all of the time and it's because this internal regulator isn't able to function properly. Now we've talked about these four main hormones and obviously they've all got a very different role in the body so you might be thinking well how on earth do I remember what's going on what how do I understand this in order to look at balance going forward. As much as these hormones have all got different roles in the body, they are all also interconnected and actually one being out of balance can mean that the others start to become out of balance. So please be rest assured when we talk through this nine point program that we'll look at in a minute of how to stabilize hormones, by supporting one, it can start to have a cascade impact on the others. If we take an example of this, if we think about having too much stress, and stress is something so much uh, many of us can experience, having too much stress and having these elevated levels of cortisol means that our cortisol hormone is out of balance. Now, as a byproduct of having this elevated level of cortisol, as I said, we start to experience this fight or flight response and exist in this heightened state. When we're in this fight or flight response, your body is naturally going to start to release lots of stored sugar to go into our muscles in order for us to be able to have an appropriate survival response. Now, obviously, releasing high levels of stored sugar means our blood sugar levels go up, so we start to release a lot of insulin. So all of a sudden, the cortisol has got a knock-on impact on our insulin levels. Now, insulin and having elevated levels of insulin has a direct impact on our estrogen levels and we can start to experience things such as estrogen dominance which can further impact our mood our emotion maybe start to make us feel more aggressive more switched on rather than lovely calm controlled and relaxed 
on a separate string, when we have elevated levels of cortisol, we start to get a disruption in a hormone called DHEA, and that's all very linked with our thyroid. So all of a sudden, high levels of cortisol is impacting our insulin, which goes on to impact our estrogen, but also interferes with the DHEA, which means that we're very likely to have lower levels of what we call T3, and that's the version of thyroid that our body can use. It might sound like a very complicated picture, but it's really to start to understand and let's really think about female health in that bigger picture rather than just about those female hormones because actually a balance in all of them is really, really important. Now, signs of imbalance, as we've talked about, really are systemic and it can be anything from impaired sleep where maybe you're going to sleep but you're waking away, wide awake in the middle of the night for a couple of hours. It could be waking up feeling absolutely exhausted or having exhaustion throughout the day. It can be a change in bowel movements. It can be a change in our body weight. It can be a change in our ability to exercise it can be a change in our cognitive function in terms of brain fog and memory loss but also as I said it can really start to impact our emotion and we can go much more short-tempered angry maybe much more tearful much more depressed much more anxious these are all signs that your body is out of balance because of some of these hormones and it doesn't always just happen overnight but actually when we think about how much we often do in terms of work if we're looking after children if we're looking after other people in the family we have got so much on our plate often we will prioritize everything else that's going on and we start to get a lack of self-care or maybe our well-being gets down to the bottom of that to-do list or that priority list which means then we often live off things like sugar and caffeine to keep us going we're not resting in the way that we should we're not looking after ourselves when we're feeling run down all of this can lead to certain nutrient deficiencies in the body, which again then can start to feed further hormone imbalance. So it becomes this sort of negative catch-22 that we can start to experience. But actually, there's some quick, easy things that we can do from listening to this podcast to really try to support the balance of all of those hormones to really start to support female health overall. Now, I've written down a nine-point little checklist of things that you can visit and things that you can look at doing in order to help support your female hormone health and female health overall. So the first one isn't directly nutrition related, but it's really, really impactful in terms of moving us out of that stress, that fight or flight state and reducing that cortisol level. And it's all to do with our vagus nerve. Now our vagus nerve is a really long nerve that runs from the brain. It travels down the spine, touches the top of all of the organs in our body, and then it sits at the top of our gut. Now, if you're really interested in emotional well-being, definitely look into the world of gut health and the brain-gut axis. This vagus nerve will communicate any messages from the brain. It will travel down the vagus nerve and it will communicate with the gut. And also what's going on with the gut will travel back up to the brain to communicate what's going on in the brain. And when we look at the role of gut health, all to do with our emotional well-being, to do with stress, anxiety and depression, research is now showing time and time again how many of the neurotransmitters such as dopamine, serotonin, GABA, all of the ones that can really impact our mood are actually produced in our gut. So what we want to do is make sure we can communicate between the brain and the gut in a really positive and effective way to start to make sure there's a balance and one of them can't be in balance if the other one isn't. So in a minute, we will talk a little bit about fiber to do with boosting up gut health. But for now, let's focus on this vagus nerve, this communication channel. 
Now, if you're like me and you sit at a computer most of the day or you're bending over the children or whatever it might be, even watching the TV, where you're sitting now listening to this podcast, if you are sitting, are you sitting slightly hunched over and sitting slightly forward? If you are, we're going to have a slight curvature to our spine, which means that our vagus nerve, this lovely communication nerve, is going to be really impacted. And often our shoulders are quite rounded forward as well. So if we want to make sure we've got lots of energy going into that vagus nerve, simply right now put your feet firmly on the floor so you feel very grounded, which makes the body feel very safe and makes the body feel very secure. And then really focus on sitting upright and lengthening your spine and push your shoulders back. When you do that, lots of people can actually even experience having things like pins and needles or tingling in their arms and their legs while we're physically getting that energy flowing through the body. Then to further support your vagus nerve, there's lots of things that you can do, but a really powerful one is to focus on your breathing. Now, when we breathe and we're in that highlighted cortisol, um, heightened cortisol, sorry, you know, really increased stress state, our breathing really changes and we often find that we're breathing in a very quick and a very shallow way where we're breathing just up into our chest. Instead, to stimulate that vagus nerve, we want to really focus on our breathing, slow our breathing down and make sure we're breathing all the way down into our belly. So you will start to notice your belly going in and going out as you're breathing. Now slow your breathing down till you're breathing only around six breaths per minute or doing the count of four. So breathing out for four, holding for four, breathing in for four, holding for four, breathing out for four. If you just did that for maybe five to six minutes in the morning and again in the evening, it is brilliant at helping to physically calm that body down and to start to get that feedback mechanism to say we're not in that heightened state we can start to switch off how much cortisol we're producing and as I said cortisol then will have a really big knock-on impact in terms of insulin in terms of estrogen and also in terms of, of thyroid as well. Now, from a nutritional point of view, it's one of the best food groups to really help with insulin, to help with thyroid, to help with estrogen, and to help with your cortisol is your protein food. Now, protein is really important for lots and lots of different roles in the body. It it creates the little framework for us to make hormones from. So all of those four hormones will need protein to be made from. It's really good at helping to heal and repair. So any damage within the body, any stress within the body, protein will be really important to use. It's really important to help to stabilize our blood sugar levels so our insulin isn't needing to be released and to give us a lovely stable amount of energy during the day. But also if we really focused on plant-based protein foods such as your chickpeas, your lentils, your butter beans, your tofu, miso, tempeh, all of those family of foods, you're actually going to be getting a really good intake of something called phytoestrogens. Now, phytoestrogens are plant sources of estrogens that come into the body, and they're a lovely, mild form of estrogen, so they don't create havoc in the body. They're not very aggressive ones, but actually, especially if we've got PMS, if we're perimenopausal, if we're trying to support stabilizing all female hormones, phytoestrogens are a brilliant place to start. So make sure you're having protein as part of every meal and as part of any snack. And if you want to really start to experiment with going a little bit more plant-based, it doesn't mean you can't eat meat, but maybe there's some meals a day uh, or during the course of the week that you could go more plant-based. So you're making sure you're focusing on that protein, but then you're getting the added bonus of those phytoestrogens to help with the estrogen balance as well. 
Now, when we think about making changes, and I've just talked then about protein and having it with meals and snacks, the next top tip to think about is to really start to plan your meals. This is where we start to prioritize ourselves, our self-care, and we don't make our well-being slip down our probably very extensive to-do list. If you plan your meals, you're much more likely to choose a nourishing food, but also you're much more likely to get nutrients in that your body needs as cofactors for lots of different reactions. So maybe on a Sunday, if you've got 20 minutes before you go back to work on Monday, maybe it's midweek, maybe it's a lunch break, sometime during the week, set a reminder to plan your meals for the week ahead. And they would be things like what you'll have for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and for snacks. Maybe making sure that you've got an easy, quick go-to snacks, whether it's some natural yogurt in the fridge at work, whether it's having some protein powder, maybe it's having some cottage cheese or some hummus to have with some veggie sticks or pita bread at break times. If we start to plan our meals, if we make sure we're eating at regular intervals, it really helps to stabilize our insulin because it means that our blood sugar levels aren't going up and down too much. When we think about the role of cortisol, obviously we release that when we're stressed, but we need to remember there's two major sources of stress. Your external ones, so anything happening outside of the body, creates elevated levels of cortisol, but also internal stress will also do the same. And the biggest cause of internal stress is irregular blood sugar. So actually stabilizing your insulin means that your cortisol levels naturally will start to decline because we've managed to support our internal stress even if that external stress is without out, out of our control and we can't really change that one point number four let's think about some liver support when we think about detoxifying any excess hormones that are going around in the body your liver is a really really key organ for us to focus on one of the best ways to support your liver is really to make sure you're drinking plenty of water so aiming for that two liters of water every day you can then start to think about your intake of things like vitamins and minerals so looking at your fruit and your vegetable intake or you could think about taking something simple as milk thistle because that's also very good at helping to support your liver. So let's make sure we keep a focus on that one. And as I said, hydration is the best thing to do. Obviously, if you're drinking lots of alcohol, if maybe you're eating lots of sugar, if you smoke cigarettes, they're all things that will work against a really healthy functioning liver. So we want to make sure that not only are we boosting up the good things in our eating patterns, but we just want to be mindful if there's anything that actually will be slowing or burdening the liver, because again, that can have a really big impact on our overall hormone production. Point number five, let's think about getting some really good nutrients into the body to help relax and calm the body in the evening. And that's when we're going to think about the role of magnesium. Now, often in the evening, we've had lots of stress, if we've been really busy, if maybe we've not supported optimal eating patterns, our bodies will naturally be thinking, well, crumbs, I've got far too much cortisol, my insulin's out of balance, my hormones are out of balance. I need some artificial way to help me relax, to help me calm down, to help lift up the production of all of those feel-good hormones. So your body will naturally start to crave things such as sugary foods, it might be chocolate, it might be bowls of ice cream, or it's going to really crave some alcohol because these are all ways that we can artificially flood our body with things to help to calm the body down. Now, none of those are particularly positive things that we want to be flooding our body with, but instead magnesium is an amazing mineral that will help to naturally calm the body down. You can get it in Brazil nuts, you can get it in all other nuts and seeds, you can get it in green leafy vegetables. So we want to really make sure if we were thinking about our protein intake during the day, if we can go a bit more plant-based, 
if we're making sure we're supporting the liver and getting some extra vegetables in, we will be boosting up our magnesium intake. Now, if it's safe for you to take a supplement, then having a magnesium supplement in the evenings could be a really beneficial thing to have. If you have it in the evenings, it really helps to calm the body, relax the body, and help prepare the body for a really good night's sleep, which is really, really positive. Or you could get some Epsom salts and pop those in your bath because Epsom salts are full of magnesium and actually it's a great way to absorb it straight into your bloodstream, help to prepare you for a really good night's sleep at night and actually the process of heating up and cooling down in the bath in the evenings also has been shown to really help to us to switch off and help us to get to sleep. Now on the flip reverse, we want to think about energy during the day. So point number six is to think about how we can boost up energy naturally. Hydration, so by supporting your liver is going to really, really support energy production. But also so are the group of B vitamins. Now B vitamins have got lots of different roles in the body and one of them is all to do with energy production. So if we can boost up our B vitamins, it means that we're not so reliant on that sugar, which is going to have the negative impact on our insulin to keep us going during the day again b vitamins you do get them in animal products you get them in nuts and you get them in seeds you get them in whole grains you get them in green leafy vegetables but b vitamins are water soluble which means we can't store them in our body so you really need to make sure you're getting a good intake of those every day again a bit like i mentioned with the magnesium supplement if it's safe for you to take supplements and you take a b vitamin supplement you might want to take that one in the morning when your body needs that natural burst of energy to keep you going. Now because they are water soluble just remember it means your body won't be able to store them so if you did start taking a B vitamin supplement you might notice your urine becomes a very fluorescent bright green colour. Please don't worry it's completely natural for that to happen it's just a sign that your body has absorbed all of the B vitamins it can and it's just excreting any extra ones out. So last three points that we can think about. Point number seven is linking back to the gut health when I talked all about the vagus nerve breathing. Now, if we want to support really good production of those neurotransmitters in our gut, let's just try and focus on gut health. And one of the best things to do is really make sure you've got a good intake of fiber. Now, fiber will come from all whole grain products and also from your fruits and vegetables. So if you can, when you're doing your meal planning, try to make sure you've got a really good intake and a really good variety of those fruits and vegetables to really make sure we're feeding all of that good bacteria in the gut and we're helping to regulate really positive and good bowel movements because they're all a really good sign then your gut's in a good working condition which means all of the positive bacteria will be thriving and will be producing as many of those positive neurotransmitters to travel up the vagus nerve back up to the brain to support our emotional well-being. Where we've talked about boosting up B vitamins for energy, point number eight is to be mindful of your caffeine. Having too much caffeine can demineralize the body, but also it is putting your body into that sort of cortisol fight or flight response. So it's absolutely fine to have some caffeine, but maybe just be aware of how much you're having. They say the upper limit of how much caffeine we should have every day is around 450 milligrams. So that would be around two strong cups of coffee or around four cups of tea. So it's fine to stick within those limits, but actually if you're having a lot more than that, then slowly start to reduce your caffeine intake down and boost up your energy, as I said, through the water, through regular eating and through your B vitamins. If you're having a lot more caffeine, don't suddenly cut it out because you will feel absolutely rotten where your body is probably quite reliant on it at the moment as a source of 
artificial energy, but it's still a form of energy that your body's reliant on. So instead, just slowly reduce it down over the course of maybe one to two months and then boost up those other properties that you need in the meantime. And then point number nine, the last thing to think about is just double checking in on your vitamin D levels. Now, vitamin D is something I've mentioned in lots and lots of my podcasts, but just remember it's one that's really important for energy, for mood, for immunity, but also as the precursor to make lots of different hormones in the body. Now, vitamin D is our sunshine vitamin, so we mostly only get it through the reaction of sunshine on our skin. And as we're only just starting to get into spring and we've got a little bit of sunshine going on now, it does mean that most people's vitamin D reserves are completely depleted by this time of year. So think about getting your vitamin D levels checked or think about taking a vitamin D3 supplement just to keep your levels topped up. A great rule of thumb is to put a little reminder in your clock so that when the clocks change in the autumn and we start to get a lot less sunlight exposure, you start to take a vitamin D supplement then. And then when the clocks change in the spring and we start to get more sunshine on our skin and we therefore absorb more vitamin D, you stop taking your vitamin D then. I would say if you've not taken any vitamin D3 over the winter months, it might be worth just doing a little one month course now of boosting up your levels or maybe look at doing a little home test kit. They're around £35 and there's lots of companies that do them from 3 versus serious screen and it's just a good way to check on that base level of your vitamin D to see where you're functioning at. So we've gone through nine points there. If they are little ones, you can make them all at one go. You can go through them in stages. So just as a little recap, it's all about that vagus nerve breathing. It's thinking about your protein intake, especially trying to focus on plant-based protein. We want to start to plan. So we've got regular eating patterns and we're planning our meals ahead. Can we check in on our liver support to make sure that we're helping to detoxify any excess hormones? Thinking about natural ways to calm the body in the evening, such as magnesium and boosting up energy in the day with your B vitamins. Let's think about that fiber to support the gut health for all of those neurotransmitters. Thinking about reducing our caffeine to move away from that fight or flight response. And then lastly, focusing in on the crucial role of vitamin D. I hope you found this podcast beneficial and you feel really empowered to know what to do to go away and really support female health through nutrition. Thank you so much for listening in. I am Jen McDiamond, nutritional therapist, and this is your podcast on nutrition and well-being, looking at how to support female health.